Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Art Money Success Podcast. My name is Maria Brophy. I am your host. Today, we are going to talk about something that kind of sometimes strikes the fear into the hearts of the creative people that I know. And I want to ask you, does this happen to you? When you hear someone like me talk about you need to file your copyrights, does it just kind of, it's like somebody stabbing you in the stomach <laughs> because it just kind of strikes fear in you because you know you haven't been doing it. Well, I just want you to know you are not the only one. I too am very guilty of not filing the copyrights when I should. As a matter of fact, I have a number of images that have been in use for quite some time that have been nagging at me because I have not filed the copyrights. So I have a special guest for you today. And my my uh, guest is an attorney that loves and cares about artists very much. And she does a lot of work in the copyright realm. She I say she cares about artists very much. I think she cares about artists as much as I do. And I don't know too many people out there that share so much information. Um, and so anyway, my guest is Tammy Browning-Smith. I'm going to bring her on in just a moment. She is getting her live stream set up. And while we're waiting, um, I just want to let you all know that this is being recorded live and those that are here with us live can ask questions in the comments and I will address those questions. So I'm going to have a ton of questions for Tammy and let's bring her on right now. There she is. Hi, Tammy. How are you? Hi. Hanging in. How are you all? Um, <laughs> let's see. Oh, can't hear you because of me. It's probably not you. Hold on. I just realized something. Wait a minute. I sometimes forget that I need to put my headphones if I'm going to hear my guest. All right. Here we go. Okay. Tammy, now I can hear you. Hello. Greetings. <laughs> Greetings. I'm so, I am so grateful to have you on today. Because oh, it's my honor. So. Well, and you and I have talked about copyrights before, and we've talked about, um, oh, we've talked about so many things. And when I get on the phone with you, I swear I could talk to you for five hours. I know. <laughs> and we're not going to do that today. I promise I won't do that to you today. But I do have a number of questions for you. Okay. Having to do with copywriting art, and um, we have an audience of artists and writers and creative people. And um, so one of the, let's see, well, first of all, before we jump into my, my questions, can you just like really simply explain what it means to copyright your artwork? Okay, what it means to copyright artwork. So, you know, it, it's important to note, and it's so easy to Oh, how do I say this? It's so easy to get things confused about what is a copyright versus what's a trademark. Um, because copyrights in their own, it, copyrights, it's possible to actually have two of the three. 
So a copyright is available to a fixed tangible expression. And that fixed part is very important. So why that matters and why we then go into registration is having a copyright um, on it, you know, cause there's, to be honest, there's everything, copyrights that happen for everything from, you know, music to writing, to sculptures, to boat hole designs. Um, so yeah, um, just a little. Did it know that? Yep. Uh, you know, architecture. Um, so if why, so we have this whole amorphous creative world and then also with copyright, you can have two people have the same thing. So Maria, you and I could have a camera. We could be both looking at the Washington monument. We both can stand literally, uh, you know, in the same spot, we could do the same time, whatever, and take that picture and we both would have the rights associated under copyright law. Oh my gosh, I never thought of that. So that's why, the, yeah, it, it, it's, it's a fun, so that's why registration is important. In the U.S., and now we're primarily here talking U.S. law. U.S. is very much a system, a proactive system. If you speak to most of our international friends, they will say, well, why do you write? We don't register them until some, there's a problem, um, usually. But in the U.S., it's a very proactive system. So because of that proactive system, registration matters. Um, it's, it's basically a deed to your house. Uh, whenever people have trouble with concepts of what copyrights are or intellectual property, I always, I say, I, I started as a real estate attorney and because of my creative interests went back and came through. So, um, copyright matters because it is the deed to your work. It's what you can prove. It's what you it's what you if someone questions your work if you need to prove it as a valuable asset it's what it may it's what makes it in my world valuable you know it's what's that it takes so, that sketch on the napkin and adds validity to it. okay okay so to make it simple for those listening who aren't real familiar with copyrights because i know the copyrights can kind of stress artists out because a lot of them are not filing them and they're not filing them because it's not the easiest process. I mean, it's not the worst either, but it's also gets expensive and just sitting down and figuring out how to do it. You got to, you got to block out. Like for me, when I'm sitting down trying to figure out something like that, I can block out two hours in my day and who has that time. Right. Um, but it's important. So I'm going to give an example. A few years ago, an example of someone stealing my husband Drew's artwork. Okay. A few years ago, I got an email from a friend who said, oh my gosh, we didn't know Drew was putting his art on these sunglasses. And it was for a very large sunglass company. And I said, we're not putting art on sunglasses, I sure would like to. And so they sent me a, a copy of an advertisement that this company 
uh, had been advertising online with Drew's art on their sunglasses. And immediately I, so because it was such a big company, the sunglass company, they're like number two in the country, in the US. I thought, oh, this is big. I'm gonna have to have an attorney help me with this. So I had an attorney send them a letter stating that they needed to seize and desist. And at the time, I so I have filed a lot of copyrights for Drew's art, but that particular, that particular piece of art that they stole was not copyrighted. Mm -hmm. Now, but I'll tell you what happened. Um, what ended up happening was my attorney sent them a letter. They realized that it was Drew Brophy's art and they didn't steal it. What happened was another artist stole it and sold it to them. So they didn't want anything to do. They didn't want to rock the boat. They didn't want to be sued. They didn't want to deal with it. So they pulled all the product off the market. It probably cost them six figures or more because they already had a bunch of the product produced. I don't even know how much money they lost on it, but they lost a lot of money on it. And um, however, so let me ask you this question. Because we didn't file a copyright and if they decided they wanted to fight us on it, and then we went to court over it, would that hurt us that we had never filed the copyright? Well, and that's where you get to the second part of, of why copyright, copyright register, a robust for a professional, especially professional, a robust copyright registration program is important. Now, I will caveat all of this with, I said, I think it was Monday, the Copyright Office is changing how they register copyrights. So probably here in the next six months, you're going to have a whole new screen and a whole new way to do it. The rights are still going to, the law stays the same. They're just updating their entire registration and process. So they're trying to make it easier. There'll be a lot more pictures for us art, for, for, for us art people. But what is important with registration is creating that system. In the US, we still have a situation where you can't march into federal court, which is where most copyright, I, I would say 98% uh, are filed because that's, you have, federal courts have copyright jurisdiction law, or jurisdiction over copyright law. You can't march into court unless you have that filed. Okay. If you, what happens a lot of time is, and I smile because it's always that one that you didn't register. It you always know, is. It's it Murphy's is. Law. Murphy's it Law. Uh, you run into the situation where you pay, you're paying an $800 expedited fee. So now instead of an $80, $55, or $85 problem or registration fee, you know, you're looking at eight to $900. And that's if you well, do it oh, yourself. Wait, I missed something. So... Where's that eight or nine hundred dollars come in? So you're looking at fifty-five to eighty-five dollars to register your to the 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 regular registration process. Okay. Plus, there's an expedited fee. Oh. So if you expedite. need it, to, to, so unless you want to wait three to six months or longer, and you need to file, um, 
that expedited fee is $800. Okay, so going back to my story about the sunglass company. So let's say they answer my attorney's letter and says, sorry, we're gonna keep selling them and try to stop us. So at that point, would I file after the fact and pay an expedited fee? Or am I opening a can of worms asking, <laughs> asking this question? Well, no, here's the thing. If they said, too bad, see you in court, then you have your choice. Do nothing and let them do it. Yeah. And by the way, let's go back to the real estate analogy. If you're renting, if you own a home and you just let people squat in it, eventually you lose the rights to it. Yes. So then they forced your hand. Now there are some new courts coming online and things like that, that may give you some other options. But right now your option is if you haven't registered it and so you're going to want to sue them, you're going to want to stop. And, yeah. then, and you actually bring up a case where it would be, there is a financial incentive because of yeah. the size. Yeah. Sometimes you're not dealing with a size issue. You're dealing with somebody posting it online or whatever. However, if you want to, they say they throw their hands up and say, too bad, see in court. The way you have to get into court, unless you want to wait three to six months, is that $800 expedited fee. Yeah. Okay. So I want to bring up a question that one of our listeners asked. Her name's Sandra. Sandra, this is such a good question. Sandra wrote, I'm in the U.S., so I don't understand how anyone can afford to register every single painting or work they produce, particularly if the artist is prolific but not wealthy. And I, I feel your pain, Sandra, because Drew creates over 100 new pieces of art a year, and I know artists that create thousands because they're doing digital art and elements and so forth. So, um, and right now, my understanding is when you go to file a copyright as of today, you can only file up to 10 images on one $55 application. Right? If, if it's unpublished. If you have not yet published it. If you've published it, then you're you can only file one image at a time, right? Mm -hmm. Or there's some rules about I always they use the game board analogy. So like you could register the game board to game in the pawns and all of that together. Mm -hmm. But as a general rule for most what we're dealing with, it's one at a time. Yeah. If it's been published. And so this is where I have a problem because I have, even though I've, I've been okay with filing copyrights, but I went through a couple year period where I didn't file any. Mm -hmm. I don't know Maybe. why. I think I was just busy with kids and stuff. Maybe <laughs> um, life happens. Yes. I mean, being an entrepreneur, I'm doing the job of like 12 people and there's a, you know, and sometimes something has to give. So, if it's not on fire, sometimes you just ignore it. Well, I realize now that there's a number of images that we have not filed copyrights for, and they are published, and they are popular. So Keep talking. Yep, yep. So here, what's the answer to that? 
So <laughs> here is the challenge. Now, we need to take photographs out for a minute. If you are, for, especially a photographer, and you're prolific, I mean, come on, we can, you know, with one, you can, I, I, you know, with one click, you can do that pretty quickly. So, yes, I am telling you what I just heard is what most of my clients run into. First off, you know, the hundred, you know, a hundred a year or a hundred a month or a hundred a day. Um, and especially if you only have 10 that you can register at a time, that's another problem. Now, I, for the sake of this discussion, we're going to speak as if it's about like the artwork back over your shoulder mm -hmm. in your case, Maria. So that's where we're going to go. Because okay. if you're doing sticker sets and things, we can play a little bit. But let's just talk single image artwork for a minute here. Okay. Like and one we're talking painting. 2D, one, one painting, one book, one, yeah. you know, we're talking primarily visual here. Music is another thing. We'll just leave that for another day. Um, how do we get around it? Is the, you know, what do you do? Some people choose to pick their best works. You know, the ones if, 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 you know, you haven't registered for years, the ones that are the most popular and they register them individually. Um, some people just leave it and start from scratch, you know, just say, okay, those two years, it is what it is. There are others, and who have done so successfully, used what's called, in my world, I call it the, photo, the photograph exception. You can register no more than 750 photographs at a time. On under a group one application? On one application. And how much is that one application? That's your $55 to $85. Application fees still happen. And I, I'm going to double check that to make sure I haven't okay, checked recently. Okay, so for photographers, so you can file 700 up to 750 separate images on one application. Yes, published photographs. So here is where we're published. Wow, published photographs. Yeah, why do they do that? Why why are they so good to photographers and not <laughs> well, the artists? As I, as I, I love my friends that are that specialize in the photography world. I, sorry when I say this, sometimes I just say they have a really good lobbying organization. Mm. Um, no, the, seriously, the people at the copyright office, the people that handle, I, I want to be very clear on one thing as we talk about this. The people, the professionals that run the copyright office are the best in the world. Um, and they really do, working through these different processes, really try their hardest to find a balance. And so they come up with a balance, and then those of us who don't fit in that balance have to come up with some options. So here is what I call the novel educational approach. So Maria, you know, I always say this, this is, you and I are having an educational discussion. This is not legal advice per se. We're having a legal educational discussion and um, we're just, you know, chatting about art. There, if you think about it, the majority of the work, when things get stolen these days, they get stolen online. Yep. Now, 
for example, if I were to steal that paint, that, you know, Drew's painting behind you, I'm assuming that's Drew's behind you. Yes, um, I'm not, I've never seen that original work. I'm in Delaware, you're in California. I'm seeing a photograph of it or a visual, you know, a photograph. So there are some in our industries that take photographs of their images and register under the photograph exception with the argument being that really what's being stolen is a photograph of the art and not the art itself. Well, uh, that the makes perfect sense to me because yeah, now, we do photograph every single image before it leaves. So technically it's a photograph. So, so what I could do if I have 40 new images, I can photograph them, which I do anyway. Nothing leaves this gallery without being photographed. And I can file those under the photography application. Group registration. Group registration. Of published photographs. Okay. I like that. Now, that's the big thing. There's a whole, we can spend a good hour or so because there are, and there's a wonderful, and you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to see... I'm, is there a way, I think you're in the comments. I'm going to see if I can put, I don't know, am I allowed to put them in the comments? You should, yeah, or? you should be able to put something in the comments. Yeah. Or you know what I'm going to do? I'm, I'm going to put it in the private chat and then have you put it in. Okay. There's a whole entire um, uh, web page from the copyright office on it because there are very specific ways okay. that you have to upload those images. Now, I want to be clear on a couple of things here. Okay. 95% of all lawsuits filed in federal court, this is just a rough number, are settled before they ever go to pretrial. With an addition, the five of that, 95% of them uh, settle before they go to verdict. That's rough, super rough numbers, nothing. But I'm just, what I'm trying to say is, Majority of the cases are settled, just like your letter. The, yeah. The good old, I call them Tammy Love letters, been cease and desist letters, you know, yours, you know. Uh, but why that matters is the majority of the time, you just need to prove your artwork. If you're filing to get something taken down. So if you have a registration number and a legitimate registration of that picture, you've done what you need to do. Yeah. Um, now there, this is where each situation is different, where we have situations where you may need to pull one of those 750 out. There are some jurisdictions that would say, well, if this, uh, they only violate, say you put all 750 in. And by the way, if you put 750 pictures or photographs and register it, you're not going to get it back within three to six months. They're going to take a little longer. But I have a question about that. So you're saying it can take eight months or longer to get the registration, but registration is usually effective the day they receive it. It is effective the day they receive it. You just won't receive your certificate or the ability to be able to march into court until you actually receive a number. You see that registration yeah. number. And so what you, what, and especially why those numbers come important as well, especially for my, our prolific friends that do a lot of graphic works, 
a lot of times you're filing uh, Digital Millennium Copyright Act notices, takedown notices. And, or if you've ever filed, you know, with eBay or even an international one, they're always looking for that registration number. And so that's why that helps. Yeah. But it's important to note in court and in some jurisdictions, like I said, if you go to verdict, there could be a statement that says, well, you have 750 photo, you know, this or 750 images, you only get one 750th of what you could take or, you know, what oh. you could do. Oh. oh, my gosh. There are so many things to know. Yeah, well, there is. But, but it's important to note the majority. It's better than nothing. First off, I it's totally better agree. than nothing. And well, the most I've ever fought back in the good old days when you could file up 50 images at a time. That was the most I ever filed was 50 at a time because it was just too much work. And, you know, um, so, all right. So here's another question. And um, I'm going to preface it with, okay, Amber asked, what's the definition of published? And for those of you who um, might have missed this earlier, when you file a copyright registration, if you file art that is unpublished, you can file a group of images up to 10. If you file published, you have to file it individually. So this is a great question, Amber. What is the definition of published? Tammy, can you give us a list of what considers published? Is it social media? Like if you put it on social media, is it published? Okay, I'm I hope two things. <laughs> I had this one, I do these. So if you see something, wait for a second. I just published what the, um, I wanna make sure. Pardon me just a second here. I'm in the okay. chat. You're going to see what the technical definition is, but I'm going to give you the short definition. First off, it has to be in its final form. Okay. In its final form? Um, what does that mean? Final form. So that means if you know how we all have works in progress. Yeah. Progress completed. Yep. Okay, so that's the first okay. part. I'm. It has to. We have to make sure it's final. And I. By the way, you're. It's going to come. So the the real trick is I always tell people the safest rule of thumb is it's the date that it is made available to the public. Now, made available to the public is that offer to sale it's for sale. Is that I uh, put, you know, first time you put it up on your Facebook page and said, look what I just finished. That is still to be decided. So that, um, so that's still up in the air. Like they haven't. Yeah. Because there's, there's so many. It, it, so for example, I will tell you in patent law, the first, you know, first time you show it or display it to the public, the trigger starts. Not necessarily, that's not the case here in copyright law. And because it depends on the type of work, it depends on what you do with the work. There are many of us that sometimes just create stuff and put it up, but we never sell it. So if you use the first, you know, made it available for publication, what does that do? 
What if you have Drew's work and you just put it in, you're putting it in the gallery, but you're going to keep it in a public, you know, as, as a private collection. Yeah. So it depends on, some of it depends on what you're doing. The safest so, rule is the first time you publish, the first time you show it to the world in final form. That's okay. the safest rule. Then depending on a bunch of different scenarios will then al allows you the opportunity to figure out um, when that might change. Um, usually, okay. Okay. like I said, but the safest rule is the first time it's been shown in public, in, you wow. know, but like I said, if that's you're hard just showing it, but not offering it for sale, that's one thing. But yet if you do offer for sale, so truly publication, there's the safest rule. And then there is, how do I put it? It's one of those, how good is your attorney? Uh, because if you're getting into this type of argument, you're then getting into other issues involved. Um, but um and that's why I made I made sure to put up and Maria. I think hopefully you got it in our comments so you can publish it for yeah, everyone. Yeah, I did. I um, reposted. Um, so that you can see, there's you know public performance. You know, you look at if it's public performance, the display. And one of the things, and it's always very clear. And that's what I said: the display of a work does not itself constitute a publication. But just because you put it out there in the world does not necessarily, you know, are you trans, Are you planning on distributing it? However, remember I just said the safest rule is the first time you offer it to the public because there's also the argument that is made first time you, you know, I'm showing it out to the public. It may not be available for sale for six months. However, I did show it to the public. Um, well, the challenge with that is with in today's world, with Instagram and everything, we're posting pictures of stuff every day. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. happening. Um, and if I'm, I'm not filing copyrights every day, you know, like, I, and I wanted to, I, when we post pictures on Drew's Instagram, it's what's happening today, right now. It's not what happened a month ago. What happened a month ago, we've moved on from. So, well, and the, oh, the good news is when it comes to um, incentives to register, the good news is you have the ability to, um, to, to take advantage of some of those statutory benefits up to three months from publication. Or there's even arguments. Um, Oh, so, so up to three months. So after you published is usually the, that we call them their safe harbor position provisions. Um, so, you know, if you publish on January 1st, anything you've done, you know, up until, so you published on January 1st, anything you've done up until March 31st um, will give you um, the, you know, if you, as long as you publish or you, you file, it would be published, it would be a published work, but you would file within those three months. It does allow you the ability to be able to, um, uh, 
still do things because we run the reasons, the other reasons you register in a timely manner, is you get attorney's fees. Um, and sometimes the attorney's fees are more than the actual the damages. So, so what you're saying is if you go to battle in court, somebody who stole your art, you win the case. If you didn't file your copyrights, you have to pay your attorney's fees, which could be ginormous. If you did file copyrights, then the other party, the party who lost has to pay your attorney's fees. Right. Yeah, and, that's, that's significant. But, and here's the other thing with that. Like right now I have two cases going. One has regist timely registration, one doesn't. I mean, they're now both registered, but I have two different cases going right now. The other party, the one with the timely registration is much more understands they could be responsible for a whole lot more. Yeah. And that's where you also get statutory damages, timely registration. Every, I don't know, every so often you hear, wow, I can get up to $125,000 in statutory damages. That includes timely registration. So with those extra liabilities out there and a timely registration, you run into the, it, it's a much a, a stronger catalyst to get people to settle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's another benefit of registration. So that's why we work really, really hard to try to find ways to get a system to help you, um, you know, to be able to register. Um, and that's, I'm so fortunate. I get to work often with the copyright office um, because they do want to hear this and they're, they try all the time. Um, so sometimes we just have to help them along. So here's a question from Laura. She wants to know, is it true that an original painting shown in a gallery is exempt from the publication rule because it's not a copy? copy? I've never heard that. That must be an urban legend unless it's true. <laughs> well, if it's shown, it, so I spoke about the gallery and, and, and Laura, and the, I will say this to everyone, um, you know, at the end of the day, and one of the reasons I do this is to answer questions. And so, if we don't get to your questions today, there are, I will, you know, Maria will give me a whole list or whatever, and I will do all I can to answer those questions. That That's very important. Or if I don't answer it correctly, but what, or, or I mean, correctly like what you're looking for, answer it in that way. So is it true that original painting shown in a gallery is exempt from the publication rule because it's not a copy? I'm going to take that as meaning it's shown in the gallery, but there's nothing for sale. So in that situation, that was that rule as far as just because you display it doesn't mean it's a publication. But if it's once for sale. Sale, meaning a copy. Then but it's once again, we go, I'll put it to you this way. If you were my client, I'd be arguing that to the cows come home that, yes, it's not a publication. It's just being shown. It's not being distributed. It's just sitting there. If I'm on the other side, I'm going to be arguing, yes, but it is in a way, it, you may not be selling that one, but you're selling a derivative work of it or you're selling the other ones. So in a way, it's helping and aiding in the distribution and it's part of the sale, ch the channel of sale. So that's why okay. I said the safest is when we talk about publication and registration um, is when you've shown it. When you've, you know, when it's 
displayed in its final form. Now, I do want to say this for our digital friends. Layers can be separate copyrightable events. So if you take a layer off and that type of thing, so be cognizant. If you've got 10, um, you know, if you've got 10 layers on a project and what's out is eight of them, you technically haven't until you put all 10 on. So, and that, and that brings us to Nancy's question. What yeah. happens if you digitize the artwork and change the colors? So Drew has this really popular image called Sunrise and we, and it's bright colors. And we've talked about coming out with a version of Sunrise that's tones like a brown one would have brown tones another would have blue tones if somebody infringed on that even though the colors are different it's the same art so would that first copyright not apply if we copyrighted the brightly colored one so part of the re part of the right part of copyrights is the bundle of rights that you get. And one of them is to be the ability to be able to uh, create derivative works. So when you digitize those, um, you're, when, so if you have a, a standard illustration and you digitize it, that still, that traditional, that same copyright falls into place. When you change the colors, it doesn't matter. The still the same copyright holds. Okay. Now, the technical question is what happens if you haven't registered up until the point you digitize or whatever, then you have to get a little more, you have to just, you have to discuss that. You have to put that on your registration. Um, but if you digitize the artwork and say you even, you know, when you're talking about sunrise, say you just take elements out of it. Yeah. That original copyright still holds. It's called a derivative work. Okay. Great, thank you for clarifying that. That's awesome. Um, so I wanna wrap this up, even though we might talk about this for another 10 minutes. Sorry, this uh, comment's so big, it's kind of blocking out your face, Tammy. But um, Sandra wrote that, she said, I lose my breath at the thought of this frequent chore. It gets in the way of our working time and inspiration moments, which is technically work time. So she's asking, are there people that you can hire to do your copyrights for you? <laughs> I don't know of anybody, but wouldn't that be a great business for somebody to start? <laughs> okay, so first off, that's the practice of law, the unauthorized practice of law to a point. So how do people do it if they don't have time to do it? And look, it, it's the same way with art licensing, it's any what I call business task. It's why we have accountants. So of course, I will honor my profession and say, if you don't want to register them, that's what we're here for. Um, is it more expensive? Of course it is. However, people who have repetitive systems um, can do it quicker. Um, and like in my case, in my office, I have clients that that's all we do is register, you know, we register them. We have methods and systems in place. There are templates. Uh, sometimes I register like some, uh, several of my clients, we go, we spend an hour or two of time. We set up copyright templates 
that you keep online. Because if you think about it, if you're doing the same type of work over and over again, all you're doing is changing names, maybe changing a date, but the rights and what you're declaring is the same. So there and are options for that. I'm sorry. Is that template in the copyright.gov system? It is. It's both. So some okay. of my clients store that template in the copyright.gov system. Some of them just have it right there setting. But a lot of times we, sometimes the copyright.gov system plays with it a little bit. I know. Meaning that you can't save certain ones. Most of them you can now because when they do an update, that's the first thing I go and check. Um, but um, so having, you know, there are systems for that. There's, I mean, there are online legal services that do it. One of the most, like I said, one of the most cost-effective things is you have to be careful hiring someone, but hiring someone in your office every quarter to come in. And now they have to be, this is where you don't want to get the unauthorized practice of law. They have to be like an employee or somebody through you. It's not like a service. I mean, it has to be an actual through you. Um, you know, and, and they just do it every quarter. What about like a virtual um, assistant or something? Yes, exactly. Like a virtual assistant. Um, you know, and, and but those are, you know, those are the options available. Is it most of the time if you do it every quarter, you're good unless you know some of my clients that have like industry specific releases. Um, one, two of them in particular that I do, I do a lot of work for as far as template work, you know, it helps is I know to every there's um conventions twice a year where they do releases. So I know two weeks beforehand, because let's get real, most of us, unless you are manufacturing for your releases, are if you have to release it July 1st, you're finishing the artwork and running to Kinko's to get stuff printed for the, you know, the release on at a convention or whatever, uh, June 29th. So, uh, you know, those are the situations where then we set they they set their own systems up for that. I mean, especially in the giftware industries, um, where they know when their markets are and they set up their own systems. They get some legal help to start, and then they set up their own system. Now it's always funny because, like in in, in my case with my clients that I work with templates on, usually they put my name down as a if there's a problem, you know. So. Every so often, the copywriter, I'll get a, an examiner, I call them examiners, or, you know, to, who will uh, call and say, so you filed this, or there's 20 of them that are, you know, that I have to discuss 20 of them. And I'm always like, uh, 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 let me get right back to you on that. But there are professionals who are willing to help you, but be very careful hiring a non-attorney service. So, so but to hire an attorney service, what does that cost? Well, and this is the, there's, there's so, I, you know, you get everything. I've seen them from $125 to $150, uh, you know, a registration. Yeah. Um, there's, you know, like I said, people that come in every quarter, you know, like they pay their, they basically hire a paralegal for a quarter. Uh, you know, so they're paying them $25 an hour for however long it is. Uh, my clients that do templates for me, you know, it's two, one or two hours of our time. We go through it online. We set you up your templates. 
You learn how to um, spot problems. Uh, but the key to it, no matter how you choose to do it, because your time is far more valuable creating instead of paying government fees, um, is setting up a system that works. Asking other professionals. That's why you come to things like this. Look, I, you know, I'm here to however, uh, however I can help you set up a system, even just as a courtesy as far as answering questions like now. However you can set up that system to register because at the end of the day, what makes you more professional? What makes your work? It's it just like building houses without having any sort of title to them. So, so all right. So I have a question. Drew just finished five commission paintings. Mm -hmm. Like, and the way he works on paintings, we work on five of them all at the same time. Yep. And you can't file a copyright before it's finished because it's not finished. And now that they're finished, all the clients are paying for it. Is it, do I have to file it at all these as published? I guess I do, right? Well, yes and no. So this is where you set up your system. So in the case that you have those five, he does them all five at once, or you know, he does the five. That's when you say, okay, he's all done. And you register them and then you sell them. Okay. I'm not saying that the registration has to be complete before it's published. I have done there, there, it just, it happens where we'll register at midnight and they go on sale at eight o'clock in the morning. Okay. okay. Technically you registered an unpublished work at the time. Okay. Um, that's why I really make sure when I was talking about those types of publications and things where you do a little bit of planning is, I mean, there, my one client in particular, it saves thousands of dollars by just being able to do that, you know, six, eight, 10 hours before it's actually published. Okay. Um, so let's see one more, one last question. Is it ever too late to file a copyright? No. Okay. Is it wise to file a late copy? If you're doing that, then the discussion needs to be had as far as why. Okay, so I'll give you an example. Drew did a piece of art in 1997 for a wakeboard company. And here it is, here we are 25 years later, and they this art is becoming popular again and we are licensing it out um, for beer cans and other things, which is just so crazy. And I realized back in 1997, we didn't even know what a copyright was. I mean, we were just learning about all this stuff. So, so that's no. what I'm wondering. I mean, is it okay. too late? No, it is not. Um, anything, Prior to, I always say 1978 or 1976, you really need, because that is old law and that you really, we really need to have a discussion and you need to have some specialties. If you're registering those, say, 1990s work, and it happens all the time. We all know the world is cyclical. Trends change. You would want to register that one, but then we might need to have a discussion about what, 
registering the changes so that those changes, which is probably now what the world is seeing, will fall under the benefits of um, the enhanced protection, you know, the statutory damages in that type of thing. So you, if you're doing that type of strategy, we take a look. You can remember that whole derivative work thing. So those additions and things um, might, the, you might be able to have two registrations, 1990 and 2021, um, especially in, in, we always look at that or sometimes you have to design smart. And that's the other thing with registrations and things like that. Sometimes what may not be available and what is available now designing smart allows you that opportunity to take advantage of the law. Uh, most people, especially, and it's why I always say when people ask me what is important, one of the things that's so important about when you want to get into art licensing or whatever is on like have mad computer skills or know somebody that does. Um, I'm never saying fake it. I'm not doing anything. I'm just simply saying designing smart sometimes will allow you the opportunity to take advantage of some laws and things like that. Okay. Um, and I wanted to bring up Sandra's comment. Overwhelmed yet? And I'm sorry. I wanna, and I want to address this because I just, I don't, there are solutions out there and I don't want artists to feel overwhelmed. And look, if you have never copyrighted your art and you maybe never will, don't, you know, the worst thing in the world that can happen is not really that horrible. The worst thing that can happen, I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong, Tammy, but I'm going to say the worst thing that can happen is some giant company steals your piece of art. They make a ton of money off of it and you can't do anything about it. That's that's like the worst thing that could happen, right? Right. And there are people who are <laughs> successful. There are people who are successful and never register. I can tell you right now that I have a client that makes seven figures every year from licensing their artwork that doesn't register anything. And they only register if there's a problem. Um, like I said, you know, some international people, that's how they, they, they always look at me strange when I say, are you registering your copyrights? And they're like, why? Um, it's what's best for your business. And it's what, um, is best. The good news about copyrights, and I see this several times over, is copyright registration does not have like annual renewal fees like trademarks or uh, patents. Um, you pay the fee once and you're done. So that's a good thing. Um, but it's, it's making the system that works. Yes, the rule of thumb is what usually gets stolen is the thing that wasn't registered or it was that little last minute piece of artwork that you put out the door. But look, it just coming to this type of thing and asking questions, asking questions of colleagues, you know, what the, what Maria offers to people in, in the resources and educational resources, that's how you don't make it so overwhelming. That's by asking those questions, by conversing, by utilizing important resources. I, I mean, I will, I will tell you as an attorney, my, I consider it a goal to make you more money than you spend on me. Um, you know, those types of things, sometimes spending an hour of time in accountant, look how much in taxes you save. Sometimes finding, you know, using resources um, 
Now, Maria, do you do private consultations as well? I do. Yeah. That's what I thought. You know, yeah. spending that hour, that's what I was going to say. You know, sometimes spending, before you go, before you go rashing to an attorney, to an accountant, spend some time with somebody in the business. Yeah. Ask those questions so you know then how to use the professional, uh, it, you know, the right way. Um, that's always one of the seminars I'll do every so often is, you know, how do you hire an attorney? How do you hire a professional? So that's how you don't make it so overwhelming is right. the more tools you have and the more knowledge. So, and just to wrap this up, I want to suggest to artists out there that are feeling maybe a little uh, like this is a lot to digest as Johnny Spav wrote here. Hi, Johnny. Bye. I feel bad. Um, well, you know, it, it it is for creative people because we just want to create. <laughs> we don't want to yeah. deal with all this other stuff. We want mm -hmm. somebody else to do it for us. I'm, I'm guilty of that myself. I mean, I'm a creative person. I don't paint, but I write. And I am always creating things. And that's my happy place. Um, but I do have a suggestion. So when there's something really important that you're working on, something that you think is going to be popular, used commercially, or go big, file a copyright for that. Like if you have a hundred things that you need to copyright or you're worried about and it's stressing you out, just pick one or two things. Like my book, the book I wrote, Art Money Success, I copyrighted my book and it actually was not that, it's simple when you copyright one thing. Um, and, you know, you can, if you have a piece of art that is really popular, copyright that one piece of art, pay that $55 for the published copyright fee, and then you don't have to worry about that one anymore. And, and maybe that's just how you get started. You just file one or two copyrights just to kind of get familiar with it. Hey, I will say this, there's nothing cooler than when you get the actual registration, they're starting to go to, to some digital stuff, um, but, uh, you know, some digital, but when you get that little cert online, or, you know, they get that little cert in the mail, you're like, woohoo, even I get excited sometimes, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll get, I think the most we've ever had in the office at one day was 300 and some when they come with a little mail tote, but, um, yeah, even if it's just one, and the good news is with templates, once you understand what you're claiming, you just start small. Yeah. That's chipping away. Yeah. As Johnny's boss says, yeah. chipping away is the best approach. Yeah, just start with one. Just start with one. That's it. Just do one. One filing, pick your one or five most popular images or popular pieces and start there. And then at least you can sleep better at night knowing that your most popular ones are protected. Yeah. And by the way, like you said, if, if you make a mistake or if you don't file correctly, you don't submit something correctly, you didn't check the right box, you've got a, a group of professionals at the copyright office uh, who, who I, I'll tell you, they're good at what they do. And they're very, they're much, they're usually much more nicer to you than they are to me, although they're very nice to me and, and they'll help you. Uh, there's a whole division about education uh, that, you know, if you called in before you've been registered and had that question. Um, yeah, I've, so I've called the copyright office yeah. and they're always helpful. 
Yes. There and there and it's always surprising that you can get a human being on the phone. It's better than calling your bank, which you can't get a human on the phone. <laughs> well, yeah. and, and so for full disclosure, I'm the copyright of I'm the chairperson for the American Bar Association Copyright Affairs Committee or whatever. So I work with those people, you know, there. I'm telling you, they pride themselves. You can go to a section of the copyright office where they talk about how, you know, how many people they they help, uh, what sort of resources. You know, you have seasoned, dedicated professionals um, that that want to make that make it work. Well, good. Well, Tammy, thank you so much for helping us today. My, I, I. I learned a few new things. I always learn new things when I talk to you. Just when I thought I knew everything, then I learned something new. <laughs> so I'm really excited. I'm really excited about the changes that you're helping the Copyright Office make. And I hope that the process for artists gets easier. And um, really looking forward to positive changes there. And, um, and, and for all of you listening, if you want to uh, learn more about Tammy in the description of this video. There is a link. I put a link to her website. And um, what what is your website, Tammy? Artsandcraftslaw.com. <laughs> Artsandcraftslaw.com. Got it. Or it's real easy. My email is Tammy at Browning-Smith.com. So it's my name. Um, I assure you, I will tell you if I'm going to charge you, but well in advance. I would much rather get you the educational information you need. Um, you know, maybe you're going to ask me a question and Maria is going to be the best to get you there, but please feel free to reach out. That's why I do it. That's just so. That's very generous of you. And I appreciate you being here with us today. Thank you so much, Tammy. And thanks everybody for being on. Thank you. And we'll see you all next time. Bye.